Who do you think killed John Benet Ramsey? That was terrifying. Kids can be scary in, in things. And she looks yeah. like Jean Benet Ramsey as well, which is, was just so terrifying. But no, the paedophile, the fake paedophile was absolutely... I don't know, I think it Creepy was Santa. professional Santa who was yeah. like, do you know why Santas wear white gloves? Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to episode 65 of the Flixwatcher podcast. I'm joined by Saru. Hello. And Hannah. Hello. And these guys are from the Red Handed podcast. And as always, we've got Helen. Hello. And we're talking about casting John Bonet. This episode of Flix Watcher Pod is brought to you by the tray headphone from Studio. It's a combination of high polished metal and matte surfaces embodying the vision of Scandinavian design. You can get 15% off any order if you use the code flixwatcher.com. Visit their website, studio.com. As always, guys, we have all the show notes online at flixwatcher.tv for all the episodes. So please come and visit us there. Of course, join us on Twitter at flixwatcherpod. And please come to iTunes, rate us and subscribe. All films featured in the podcast were available to stream on Netflix UK at the time of recording. And please be aware there will be spoilers and some language that may offend. Hello and welcome to Flixwatcher podcast. Today, our guests are Hannah and Saru. If you would like to tell our listeners about the podcast that you do together, please. Sure. So we co-host and co-produce, I suppose, co-create um, Red Handed, which is our weekly true crime podcast. And, and you're Hannah. I am Hannah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we do a new case every week. Sometimes we do two parties and we're just united by our love of true crime. So we came together to do a weekly show. And that's why I've chosen jo- casting John Benet Ramsey. Sure. Um, how when you say united by your love of true crime, was it like a forum and you just like, hey, I need a true crime person? No, it's much more intimate than yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I had a Thanksgiving party at my house. Hold on, you're you don't sound American. No, I'm not. I had one American flatmate who had his entire American family over in my very small flat for a week which was a nightmare but we had a thanksgiving and a friend of a school friend of saru's was staying with me at the time and he invited saru to come to the party and we uh drank quite a lot of wine and discussed the case of jean benet ramsey okay over a group of very confused looking thanksgiving guests who didn't really want to talk about the murder of and a six-year-old child over their dinner. There were children there. There were there were, children. there were children there. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Not your age. <laughs> yeah, it was like kind of like her. Look, yeah, look at him. Could he wield? Could he give an voice? Could he wield a torch and kill a girl? Oh, I think yeah. he probably could have done. <laughs> or at least smash up a watermelon. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So that's how we met, and we sort of jokingly mm, said, yeah. "Let's start," because we also found out that we were both podcast people, which. What was it like? Nearly two years ago, yeah. quite rare, I think, to find someone who listens to the specific podcast that yeah. you listen to. Okay, absolutely. And we would—it's like one of those drunken moments where we were just like, "We should hang out. We should do this." Kind of like how we've ended up here with you guys after we met at the British Podcast Awards. Yes. You, you we, were nom- we actually, nominees, weren't you, at the uh, Podcast Award? As we keep yelling at people, yeah. we were in the top twenty listeners' choice for the British <laughs> Podcast Awards. But yeah, it was just one of those things where we were like, "We should do this," and yeah. I was like, "I will never see that girl again." And then we ended up. Now we are 10 months in running a true crime podcast. Yeah, we went on a friend date. We went to the Blind Beggar on the Mile End Road on where, a Sunday. Where the Cray twins did a lot of their killings. Yeah. Very so, fitting. 
we're like, so it's morbid. Like it's, meant, it's meant to be. Um, we want. Well, I've listened to a fair few of your shows, and what always strikes me is the amount of like research, research you guys do. Yeah. How do you do it? Because I, I mean, listening to the Fred and Rose West one, for example, I knew a bit about the story, but apart from Wikipedia, which some of the some of the stuff on Wikipedia you didn't talk about because it's I don't know it's, it's a horrific horrific set of circumstances and crimes anyway but you went into a lot of detail and you it seems like you've watched documentaries and film clips and this that and the other so what what do you guys tend to do for for your research it depends on the case so some cases like fred and rose west there are a plethora of documentaries and yeah. movies and just so much information that in fact when you do look at something like wikipedia there's lots on there but some of it's just not true sure. and on in true crime so many people know their stuff and also you're doing a disservice to the victims and to the crimes if you're not thoroughly fact checking every single thing that you say so we take it really really seriously and you have to yeah i need to see the same fact in multiple places um and know that that is a credible place before i would even put it into the show but yeah you build a backbone structure you work out the order and then you just pad it out and then try write a script that makes some sense yeah exactly <laughs> i think we've got quite good now yeah if we can turn it around in a day if we have to yeah. i would prefer uh, prefer not to i prefer yeah. to spend a, a weekend yeah mm. yeah or like yeah a good few days um but it is out there yeah so yeah. i think you've just you've just got to be looking in the right places i think and spending the time definitely I think that's why you've got to genuinely, if you're going to start podcasting, anyone who wants to, like you guys know, you've got to be really passionate about what you're doing it on. Otherwise, this is such a time-consuming side gig <laughs> yeah. to be doing. Like, sure, it's cheap. You, anybody could do it, but your time is going yeah. to cost you. Your time's not cheap. Time's not cheap. And you've got to do it about something you care about. So that's why it's still going. <laughs> 50 episodes this week, actually. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Today. 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 This very day. It is. As we record. Yeah. Yes. So you guys talked, you you, you united on the case of John Benet Ramsey. And Hannah, you've brought us the casting of John Benet, the film. Can you tell us a brief synopsis of the film? Uh, yeah. Well, tell us why you brought it to us and gives a brief synopsis i think i chose it because it is our origin story i suppose i think we even discussed this i think this film was the starting point of our drunken ramblings on thanksgiving and i think what's quite funny in the not funny haha funny peculiar in the true crime community is you have cases like jean bedet ramsey and like madeline mccann that have a cultish almost following right because they're mysteries and no one really knows who did it. And we do get some feedback sometimes from people who are like, oh, I like it when you catch them. I don't like it when you don't know. But actually, the mystery ones, the ones that no one really, really knows what happened, are the ones that get these enormous followings. So it's a key. Any true crime person mm. has an opinion on Jean Bonnet Ramsey and has an opinion on who did it. And if you find yourselves at true crimey type things, as we do sometimes, everyone's got something to say. So I think that's why it was a really interesting topic for a film. And I chose it because it's it doesn't really matter, I don't think, whether you know the ins and outs of the case when you watch this film. No. It's a film about people and their reaction to something that happened in their town. And that's what I think is really great. And I, it really captures that quite uncomfortable feeling of... So what it is, is... People from Boulder, Colorado, where Jean Bonnet was murdered, um, and they're auditioning to play the characters of Jean Bonnet, 
her mum, her dad and her brother and a couple of other people, like a professional Santa. And it's their, um, it's their cold reads of the script doing their screen tests. Mm. What I don't know is whether they had informed consent or whether they knew that their screen tests were what gonna, were going to make it into the final cut rather than... I don't think any of those people would care. They were like, yeah. get me on TV as soon as you possibly can. <laughs> that's exactly it. And that's why it's so wonderful because it's just people talking about something that's happened and they all have an opinion on it and they want to be cast in something. Yeah. So they're talking about it so passionately. And it captures that really uncomfortable feeling of like, what am I watching? But you also don't really care. And I think that's key to true crime is if you can capture that uncomfortable feeling of, I don't know what this is, but I don't want to look away, you're onto something. And I think that's why this is such a good one. I really loved how I, I really like true crime documentaries from, and for me things, I love the longer form ones like um, The Jinx. Mm -hmm. And recently you guys, we talked about this at the British Podcast Awards, the um, Evil Genius. Um, things like that, but this is but they're kind of almost straightforward. This is what happened, mm -hmm. or the, well, the jinx kind of plays it kind of differently, but they tend to involve heavily the people that are involved in the case. This you see flashes, images of the people who are involved, but this is they're all portrayed by wannabe lookalikes of of the people involved, and they're explaining the case um, in their audition pieces. Yeah, and that's such a fantastic way to kind of show it because. I didn't know anything about this, but yeah. through through hearing why they wanted to play Jean Benet, why they wanted to play the mum, why they wanted to play the dad, the, the professional Santa, you understood the case, and that's I thought that was fantastic. And it was, and it's for everyone. It's for people who know every in and out of the case, and yeah. people who don't know anything. And it's asking them to think what their motivations were. Each sort of character in the story, which is what we do on the show constantly, is try and think what would make someone do this. And it's an hour and a half of just exactly that from every angle. That's true. I think I'm going to be a bit more of a, a cynical, cynical Susie about this film for a sec. Um, There's a change. Um, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, I, I like I enjoyed it, and it's really different. Exactly what you said. It's in between that kind of um, documentary, true crime, mm. gritty documentary, and. Um, in between like a dramatization or movie of a crime that's occurred it's somewhere in between and it's very it's very abstract I thought from what they're trying to achieve and I get they're trying to make comments about kind of the exploitation of true crime because lots of people do have an issue with that and of course it can be an ethical question when you are turning true crime which is just so popular you cannot deny it no. if you make a movie or a series or anything about true crime you're going to have a following. No matter, like, even if it's quite badly made, people will probably watch it. And there is that obsession, true crime podcasting. I mean, how many are there? And it, touching upon the kind of exploitation of that and is that ethical and is it right? I do, I did get that and I thought that was really smart. On the other hand, some of the people, because they're not all um they're not all professional actors i, I don't, don't think, think it, any of them are i don't think it would even make a difference if any of them were well, some, they're some all... <laughs> had been in things yeah mm. <laughs> which is the question <laughs> which is the question isn't it i'm an actor what have you been in yeah. and um none of these people probably in anything noteworthy i think it's more just interesting because this totally solidified for me and you know i don't i'm not even going to apologize if you are an actor and listening actors are just some of the worst people in the world and i know they're talking about the murder of a six-year-old child but i was like shut up 
you're the worst. I love how you can just tell when they're being so <laughs> oh insincere, but they're like, please oh get me on God. this show. It was so, Fantastic. some of them were just comical. And I guess that I get that the director was also like poking fun at that. She, yeah. she clearly wasn't taking it um, totally seriously in that moment. But the idea of some of these people are just like, oh, I need, I need better support. I need a better back support. Yeah, yeah. Unless, unless my core is supported, I really can't go to where I need to go. I He's like, my favourite. Was he? <laughs> oh my god! He my was... my favorite was the police guy who was like uh, also sex education. Oh my oh, yeah. god! I'm a sex I'm part time sex educator. Okay. As yeah, a part time sex educator, I can tell you those ligature marks would not have been caused by that, really, really. And then when he was <laughs> flinging those whips around, hand me the rainbow. What I was like, point, oh gosh. Yeah, what point was the? <laughs> how was that part of the audition? I don't yeah, think that's in the script. Whips? Yeah. To an audition. I, I think it was because they're just trying to make that link of because so many people think and you know controversial opinion I don't think she was sexually abused um, lots of people think that she was so here's this rogue sex educator who's going to talk about ligature marks yeah um, Helen the first time you tried to watch this you fell asleep did you, you made I did I mean I did have the flu so okay. fair um, enough and I, I thought I'd miss loads but when I rewatched it I, I think I was vaguely conscious for most of it um, <laughs> but it, it is really interesting um, I think I went into it thinking it was a documentary and then was like, this is not a documentary. This is something completely different. And I was doing a bit of um, reading reviews and I really liked this quote from the Guardian Review. They said it was a deliberate provocation to the conventional notion of truth. And I think it's kind of really interesting because it is kind of this very strange sort of half fiction, half fact um, piece of filmmaking mm. with some absolute nutters yeah that's the like, key thing <laughs> and, and it's really scary how how involved they are in something that they're not actually involved in yeah. at all and then how they kind of project their own things and come out with these things like oh you know my son was killed and so i know and i can feel yeah, this two, and yeah, lost two children and all, all this kind of really strange projection going on and, and you're just like this has got nothing to do with you. And the fact yeah. that they've all obviously seen that as a casting thing, and they're like, this is it. This is my moment. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think just to pick up on that projection part, I thought that was really interesting because there's definitely the people who are talking about their own personal experiences and how it related. But I thought the people who were talking about the Jean Benoit Ramsey case, bearing in mind this happened 20 plus years ago, just start crying. They're crying about it. And I'm like, they're trying to get on the scroll. I That's know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just like, oh my God, why are you? Stop it. Stop it right now. It's, uh, that, that, was, that was quite tough to watch, I think. I also found it quite like deliciously ironic that they spend quite a long time talking about, for those people who don't know, JonBenet Ramsey did a lot of pageants mm -hmm. um, and as did her mother. And there was a lot of speculation of her mum sort of pushing her to do this. And... A lot of women in the casting videos are talking about how disgusting it is and how self-involved her mother must have been to put her through this. And then there's like eight girls all dressed up like Jean Bidet Ramsey ready to go and do a tap dance. Like mm. it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, the the treatment of kind of like women in general by women as well um, was um, quite enlightening. The fact that approaching one's 40th birthday was considered a motive for murdering your own child that the stress of turning 40 absolutely she would just... cause you to do that so you guys yep. obviously look into the motives and people's <laughs> histories fred and rose west had perhaps one of the darkest mm -hmm. um but approaching 40 
Is that is has that, that ever been a motive? Yeah, has that been a reason? I mean, I wouldn't say without some severely obvious underlying mental health problems before that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I think we know the case quite well. And I just think... And generally, women don't murder violently. They usually no. poison people. It's usually for money or revenge. Yeah. It's very, very rare yeah. for um, a woman to murder a child violently. If so you've killing, discounted the mother. Yeah. If they're killing yeah. kids, they're Off killing the babies. Yeah. They're not killing... That's true. They're not That's killing six-year-old kids and then, like, leaving them in the basement. That's not... And then, yeah. Um, and it's not... I don't think it's uh, John. It's not John. He looks so broken throughout the whole thing. Did we see John? Or the people playing John, do you mean? You, yeah. You see the photos of John okay. at, like, the press conference. Yeah. I agree with the kids are playing Burke. It was Burke, the brother. That he would did it, it. That would explain the the ransom note and the reason to keep it hidden. Yeah, I think I've seen like a couple of CSIs where that's that's what happened. Yeah. They must have actually based it on there. Oh, gotcha. think of it. Oh. I totally because it was in her mum's handwriting, and it was from paper and pens they found in the house. Mm. You know, and it's like somebody said in the mo- in the uh, movie, you don't break into someone's house, find pen and paper while you're stealing a six year old kid and write a three page ransom note. No. You get out. <laughs> Like it's and it was a very specific amount of money as well. The ransom that they wanted was the exact amount of money. Eighteen thousand. Yeah, that he had in his account that he'd had as a Christmas bonus that year. Exactly. Like, it's hilarious. But no, I thought about this movie though. I did find for of my criticisms and cynicism around it was um, it's very visually appealing. Like I thought that was good. It was very like beautifully done. Like um, the scenes where they're like in the sort of cut out house and they're all walking around and there's like 15 patties walking around. Like mm. I thought that was quite, uh, it's it's a interesting imagery they're using in it. I liked, because I, I, one of the things I was checking out was, was did they know this wasn't going to be a film? I didn't know. I, they, 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 was it going to be a film and then they decided it wasn't going to be a film or was I it? Think it must have been. I think Kitty Green knew what she was doing right oh, from the yeah. beginning. Oh, I thought you meant the people. I think the people didn't know. Yeah, so you think the people thought it was going to be a film and they just said, right, let's have yeah. you 15. You walk through the hallway, banging the door. You can yeah. sit there next to a fake Jean Bonnet whilst another Jean Bonnet comes right behind mm-hmm. you. Dad's going to be in there doing yeah. this and just we just want to see how you guys react to stuff. Screen and, test. Yeah. Because that was a nice visual yeah. thing compared to, um, and it's all shot really nicely, especially for a documentary, but it was all really well lit. People looking at the camera, um, clear and, and visually striking, like you say. I love the bit, it's quite near the beginning where one of the mums, they're all wearing a red jumper and yeah. one of them was like, well, for me, it's the pearls, so that's yeah. why I've worn them. And these and earrings. It's just, yeah, yeah, her desperately <laughs> trying to stand out from the crowd and I just love it. Absolutely. We didn't see anyone without the red top in the uh, in the montage no. and the argumation scene. That's a good point. She didn't make the cut. She didn't make the cut. <laughs> she broke the imagery. You can't yeah. just have like 15 patties in red tops and like black capri pants and then one random one in a power blazer and pearls. It's just going to ruin the whole vibe. <laughs> I should be there with her earring like yeah. It's like this, but not like this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't find one with a pearl in it. Um, but no, I thought the, the Jean Bonnets were the creepiest though. They were... Just well, the actual the six the, girls. The girls lined up in this. The all of them dressed up in like the pageantry, like Star Spangled Banner leotard with the big blonde hair, and it's but quite. It is creepy because we don't really have this over here, no. No. and it's but there must make, be there must be pockets of it. 
Impressive. Oh yeah, if you'd have given me that outfit she wears at the end when I was six, I would have worn the shit out of that. Yeah. I would have loved that. I think there's definitely a thing. It's less of an industry though. It's less like, oh, we want a daughter so we can dress her up and get That's her to true. win beauty pageants, which is yeah. what a lot of American girls yeah, that's kind of true. have to yeah. deal with. Whereas... We don't really have anything no. similar. But there, I think, when I was watching, uh, reading some of the reviews around this and people were making comments around that, they were saying, it's not really a thing in the North. I think it's in the oh, South. Really? Because okay. Patty was, she was from the South. She's like from Georgia or something. Mm. And I think that's why she was like, we're going to do this, even though we live in Colorado now. Where was Little Miss Sunshine set? I can't remember. <laughs> it was quite sunny so it could have been yeah it could have been could somewhere in the south big yeah. wide open roads um you said the creepiest for you who, who said the creepiest was john benet yeah um that... was it not clearly the potential pedophile who's pretends to be oh, the, the santa or, or no. creepy santa i mean no no no, 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 the, no the fake the false confessor who oh, says yeah. that he um like killed john benet and did that he was creepy but i was like he was the best actor, I thought I would have yeah, cast him. He was like, genuinely went there. But no, the bit that, like for sure, he was creepy, but the bit that I can't get out is like the opening bit when the girl playing, one of the girls playing Jean Benet just comes up and she's just like, who do you think killed Jean Benet Ramsey? That was terrifying. Kids can be scary in, in things. And she they looks can. like Jean Benet Ramsey as well, which is, was just so terrifying. But no, the paedophile, the fake paedophile was absolutely... I don't know. I think it Creepy was Santa. professional Santa who was yeah. like, do you know why Santas wear white gloves? Yeah. <laughs> it's good. He's protecting himself. So you can himself. see where their hands are. Yeah. He's yeah. looking after himself. And I was, when he said it, I was like, every picture of a Santa I see with a child now, I'm going to be looking for looking those for white, those white, white hands. gloves. Hand placement. It's all about the hand placement. Yeah, it's that was the, the bit for me. Just self-preservation. <laughs> I, I mean, I also I quite like. I mean, there's so many great quotes, but I like the guy who said that he often got mistaken for a young Chris Chris Christopherson. Yes, he had a like, few different yeah. people who like. He was <laughs> like a young version. He kind of Wasn't the he same. the one who was like, "Oh, I got in trouble when I was younger, and like I went to prison, and now I'm an actor." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there was a weird guy who does weddings. I didn't want him anywhere near any weddings. What do you mean? What did you do? He at did weddings? something else for weddings. Was he the? I can't remember what he, he was. He might have been the, the the creepy weirdo, but he also does something at weddings. Oh my god! Was now why? <laughs> but um, yeah, lots of oddballs given <laughs> screen time. What are your favorite kind of tri- crime documentaries that that work well for you? Because I've seen, I saw one on Fred, not Fred and Rose West, The Moors Killers, and it was almost it was just like a run of the mill. This happened and then this happened and yeah. then this happened and then it wasn't that engaging. So what kind of documentaries do you do you like? My favourite true crime documentary of all time has to be The Jinx, mm. which is an annoying one to bring up because you can't really say anything without giving the game away. Oh my God, yeah. Um, but I think with very famous cases like The Moors Murderers or like Fred and Rose West, I think if you're going to make a film about it, you need to be bringing something else to the table. And that's why the Jinx is so fantastic because you're gripped by a story the entire way through Mm -hmm. until the final episode where the entire world explodes. Um, I mean, my face, I wish I had a picture of my face during that final scene. Yeah, my (laughs) friend and I watched it in two days. Crazy. I watched it in like a day. I was watching it on my honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) That's committed. You need to to watch it. It's like a four part episode. It's It's only four. That's good. No, but it's it's like... It blew me away. Blew me away when I watched Mm -hmm. it. And I would say I'm quite a true crime I'm a snob, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Whether it's podcasts, whether it's uh, movies, whether it's documentaries. Well, I didn't make it to the end of... What was that? Making a murder. No, I I, I got bored. 
blown away by that one. I watched I the first episode and I gave up. I haven't even oh, watched okay, it. Oh, okay, good. But um, no, for me, I think you're absolutely right. That is a like Jinx is fantastic. It's in a league of its own. The other one that I genuinely really, really love is the CBS documentary on John Bonnet Ramsey. Yeah, oh, I've not seen it. Okay. It is fantastic because it is a mystery like no one was ever charged with this we don't have a definitive answer but what i love in it in that documentary is they definitely bring something new to the table the other um documentaries out there on the jean Monnet ramsey case are very have a very clear agenda they're pushing one thing or the other in this they get a group of like eight um of the best investigators in their own specific field together. Like if you were murdered, that's the team you'd want to investigate sure. you. So they have a woman from Scotland Yard who's fantastic. They've got a guy who used to be a profiler at the BAU and the FBI. They have the best um, forensic analyst. They have the best like linguist, forensic linguist there. This whole like A team they've put together and they go over the case piece by piece do every single thing and they come up with what I think is the most plausible answer and I love it because they're doing things like they go over the script for the ransom note that they find that we talk about in this and they're just pouring over it line by line and he's like well this is why this was written by a woman this is why this was written by this kind of person no one would ever say this in a ransom note and I'm like I love you I love <laughs> you it's fantastic so I think one of my favorites we talked about this briefly at the podcast awards was the the recent Stephen Lawrence one mm. as a story like I knew obviously I was aware of it yeah. but I didn't know the ins and outs and what kind of change it's made in the in uh UK crime force and UK um yeah UK crime and how the police were working going forward from there but also one of my favorites is a I think it's like an eight-part documentary on OJ Simpson like American Made which mm -hmm. goes like into depth as to where he started from and all the other things that were going on at the same time and how it tied in with the LA riots and other things happening. Definitely. And that, that being kind of the main reason why he escaped is because yeah. Rodney King was beaten. So everyone's like, well, no, fuck you. We're going to make sure this guy gets off free, even though yeah. he's clearly the guy that did it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's all those kind of things that pushed it, pulled together into one kind of melange. And also the act of killing, which is I kind of, kind of similar to this, but where it's the people who actually did the crimes who uh, just got away scot-free and then they were like, can you just act out how you strangle these people and they go through the motions and then at the end of it one people one of the guys kind of breaks down after years realizing that he's actually been i think twat's a very life thing to say but he's been a horrific person um well, this is our second true crime is next we had the amanda knox yeah netflix oh, one that's a good documentary. that is a yeah. good documentary it's a very strong one um i think the thing that sticks out for that and this is just how inept the police force are and with evidence in general and all of these kind of Stephen Lawrence. high yeah. profile cases that evidence is destroyed, things aren't discovered, witnesses are not followed up, so many things are missed. You're just like, Jesus, what are you doing? Yeah, but oh that's God. something we look into quite extensively doing the show. And it's quite, it's astonishing. Mm. Some, some of Scary, the, isn't it? Yeah, it is really scary. Sadly, it's um, it's a very, very common base for a lot of cases yeah. that you'll find. If they got there quickly and done the proper due diligence straight away, yeah. then they would have... Like Stephen Lawrence, the, a lot of people said, it's these four guys, just go and check them out. And they didn't. And then it's all like him, one of them throwing stuff away. Yeah, um, yeah. With, yeah, there's so many. Yeah, one of them quite conveniently had a gangster for a father. Yeah, Who absolutely. was paying off all of the, oh, the local bobbies. Yeah. And that's why... Handy. Yeah, everyone with, needs one of those. With um, OJ Simpson case, like 
Kim Kardashian's dad just walked off with a bag that OJ yeah. Simpson had like taken away with him to wherever he'd been. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, just look over there. Bye, see you later. Yeah, Never they, to be seen again. They washed the gloves they found and then yeah. um, they told him to stop taking his uh, arthritis medicine. So yeah, his so hands swelled up. And they were just like, oh, look, the glove doesn't fit. The glove doesn't fit. You must acquit. Then yeah. you've got a rhyme yeah, as Johnny well, Cochran, just obviously. Like, yeah, the, rhyme, the rhyme's what sticks <laughs> when you get into the, into the joy room, into the joy room, into the adjudication. Absolutely. I mean, you're not gonna you're not going to win against a guy who's got a rhyme like that. But I think... <laughs> that means like any rapper who's like on the stand can just well do it yourself blast them apart that's why they don't get put down for crimes yeah famous people don't go to prison in LA yeah, apart from got, Phil Spector they've got raps yeah finally one uh, and yeah Bill Cosby's on he's not on the west coast so mm, he, that's why he's getting yeah. put away <laughs> so this is Jay Benedict Brown he's one of the actors who played um, who was auditioning for the role of John John Benet's yeah. dad he very uh, kindly got in touch with us didn't yeah, he he gave us a, a list of things um, 14 ways casting John Benet is controversial and we will ask him if we can post this somewhere and we can link to it in the show notes. But one thing, he, one, one of the points he quotes is something we touched upon and he says, um, were the actors aware of how they would appear by? And that was the question. And the answer is by virtue of appearing many moments are fairly intimate, uh, of fairly intimate sharing are shown. Um, like Kitty spent hours with individuals and earned their trust. And this was a little psycho, uh, psychoanalytic. As she was behind the camera, and we were talking direct to camera, but we couldn't see her face. And I think that's so. She, she's obviously she knew what she was doing, um, but they it doesn't, it doesn't say whether it's clear as to whether they knew there was not going to be a, a, fil- a final film. I don't think they really care. They just wanted to be on the camera talking about this. They they felt that this case had had such an effect on their lives mm. that they had to be part of keeping the history going. But if you go for an audition, you think. You don't know if you're going to be shown on the thing, do you? On you're not. You don't think the audition is going to be shown to places. So, is that motive enough? You do have to sign a thing that say you're happy for them to show it to whoever they need to. Yeah. And I think there's no one more desperate than an actor. So an actor break. will sign anything away. They'd just be like, "Get me on screen." Fair enough. You right. need to know. You need to mingle with more actors. I I know some actors, but at the same time. I don't know, it's an odd thing to sign away without. And also you don't know how many people weren't, uh, how many just people were auditioned and then we didn't see them anything of them in the in the final cut and stuff like that. Maybe yeah. they were a bit too normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or good. I think there was a vetting process definitely yeah. for the craziest. Because there were only two of those paedophile people. And I was, I, I just, the some, thing about that. Some of them were just too legit. Too, they were like, too legit. get out. But also, who it's, it takes a special kind of person to play that role, doesn't it? Desperate. Have desperate you seen Hard person. Candy? Yes. Because yeah. that's that Patrick Wilson in that. You kind of think. I love Patrick Wilson. That's a dark role yeah. to play, dude. It was good for him though, because oh, I yeah, think he's, he's so like clean cut and gave everything him an edge, else didn't that he it? does. Yeah. yeah, it did. It gave him an edge. Made him. It made me like him more. That's really <laughs> fucked up, isn't it? <laughs> like you've got some uh, new headphones today yeah my head weighs a lot more than it normally does in the morning um yeah and where are they from these are from studio these are the regent brand on ear headphones and they're super cool 24 hours battery life and they sound amazing it's all, it's all about the sound who cares about the battery i mean life? the battery life is amazing that is true i could just be listening to radiohead on loop for 24 hours i could listen to blur on loop for 24 hours and it wouldn't run out or like Jay-Z on loop for 24 hours and they're wireless as well or the strokes on loop for 24 hours 
or anything else yeah. on Luke for 24 hours. <laughs> and yeah, they're wireless and connect super simple to my uh, to my iPhone or anything like that. And you can get 15% discount, Helen, if you go to studio.com if you want to buy some. Ooh. Just use the offer code FLIXWATCHER, as in our podcast name. That's how you tie it all together and sponsor a post like this. Let's go to the scores, guys. Okay. So we are talking about casting Jean Benet. Hannah, you yep. chose this. So we're going to lead out the scoring with the recommendability score out of five. How much would you recommend this to people? I would give it a pretty solid 4.5, I think. Okay. Any particular reason why? I just think it's so weird. I, I haven't, I can't compare it to anything. And I think. I wouldn't recommend it in the same way as like, oh, go and watch The Jinx because it's an amazing true crime documentary. Mm. I'd be like, just go and watch it because it's just fucking bonkers. Yeah. It's real. I'm not going to be as kind to it. I'm going to give it a three. Unless you can get your hands on some like mind-altering substances, in which case, have yourself a fucking great evening. That sounds absolutely <laughs> horrible. <laughs> By the way, you can go to decimal places and stuff like that if you want. If you want to go four point. She doesn't care. No, no, I'm good. I'm going to give it a three. <laughs> a solid three. Helen. Um, I, um, I'm going to give it a four. I think it's, it's a really interesting approach to um, this particular story. Um, I kind of think you do need to know a little bit about the case to go with because it doesn't really offer anything that you'd kind of expect a documentary to do and it doesn't really offer any kind of explanation. It is more just these kind of oddballs mm. having a go at playing the characters and kind of projecting and saying they they think it's going to happen like this so it's not going to shed any new light on anything like that so I don't know you have to approach it in a certain way but I, I still thought it was really interesting and the way it is shot is some of the the bits especially at the end where you know the girls are dressed up and yeah. the, the end montage is a really interesting um, sort of sequence so yeah cool. I'm going to go for 4.1. Um, what yeah. I said and then a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> what you said, but um, not not just, I don't think it was unique for this for this style of story. This story in particular, I think it's unique completely. I don't think, yeah. I've, I've not seen a film uh, that plays out like this at all or what method of storytelling that's played out like this. Apart from when you have like talking heads that then lead into the acting bit, but to have it whole, all played out like this, um, was really interesting and alluding to my engagement score I was kind of really fighting not to go on IMDB and go on to things onto other things because I really liked the way it was kind of unpeeling in different ways and the pieces were kind of slotting together and, th and things like that so I I did enjoy it um, repeat viewing score oh I feel bad but I don't think I'm going to give it a particularly high no. mark um, I, I think I would go for a three Point seven five. How many times have you seen this? I've seen it about three times. I think. Oh, wow. Okay, that's yeah. It's pretty solid for a documentary. Yeah, it's not uh, comparing it to the Jinx again. I like I right now. All I'm thinking about is rewatching the Jinx. I'm not thinking about rewatching Casting Chambonet. <laughs> and how many times have you seen that? How many times I've seen the Jinx? Yeah. I've only watched it once. Okay, because it's a religious experience. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's intense. <laughs> Uh, Saru? Um, I'm going to be even less kind to it, I'm afraid. I watched it don't once. Don't need to apologise. Um, sorry, Kitty. I watched it once. Um, 
I'm glad I watched it because you're totally right. It's very, very unique. Everybody take an hour and 20 minutes out and watch it. But I won't be watching it again. So what is that? If you give it a zero. I'll give it a one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can can give it a zero, yeah. but no minus scores. One. Uh, Helen. Um, well, I've seen it twice, so I've got to give it at least more than a one. So I'm going to give it a two. I didn't. It's it doesn't really. I don't think you get much from watching it again. Mm. And in fact, probably some of the kind of like etherealness of it is lost a little bit, and you lose a little bit of the like bizarreness because the first time round, you're just like, "What are these people on about?" And yeah, so two. I'm going to go for two. I think maybe watch it again because I think there's some now I know the case a bit more. Now I know what was going on. I wasn't trying to predict to see if this was a film because I was part of, part of me was trying to think I need to go and watch this film that they were casting for because this sounds insane and it'll be good to see which of these actors made it to the final cut. Um, so it might be, maybe took away a bit from what I was watching, but again, documentaries don't fare that well in repeat viewing. I can't think of many documentaries I've watched mm. more than once. So, but I'm intrigued to to know about the, the was it CBS one you CBS said? CBS one. Mm-hmm. Mm. Watch that, that is fantastic sounds very thorough it's, it is that's the word <laughs> so small screen score would you like an explanation of this yes please yeah <laughs> so small screen score is how well do you think it works on netflix um would you like to see this in, if you think if you really wish you'd seen this in the cinema then that tends to be like a low small screen score if you're like yeah this is perfect for netflix and the tv or even on your laptop kind of thing then um it, it tends to be a higher small screen score but oh, also you can okay. kind of factor in like if you'd wished you'd seen it with more people so you can kind of see other people's reactions or. I think I really would have liked to have seen it on a big screen just because of the way it's shot. And I think it was quite controversial. The I can't remember whether it was Cannes or Sundance, but when it went up at a film festival for the first time, it yeah. was like massive news. It was definitely was in Sundance, but it might have been in Cannes as well. Yeah. Um, oh, I think it still fares pretty well on the on the small screen. I thought you meant watching it on your phone, which I have done, but probably not for this one. Um, I'd give it, I'd give it a three and a half. I think. All right, Saruti. I think this is for home viewing, but I do wish I'd watched it with somebody else because I watched it on my own. Mm. I think this is one to watch with another person so you can look at each other for reactions. But I don't (laughs) think it would have added anything to me to watch it on the big screen. I think this is perfect for Netflix. So I'll give it pretty, I'll give it 4.5. Okay. Helen. Um, uh, I'm going to give this one a five. This is, um, I believe it's a Netflix original, this one, isn't it? I think they bought it out of Sundance. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's I think it's really interesting that they're prepared to kind of put money behind this and support this and have this kind of film be made and have their label on it and um it's something that I don't know where else I would have seen it. Mm. I certainly wouldn't have gone to the cinema to see it. Um and I don't quite know I mean I don't really watch terrestrial TV but I don't know whether it'd be something that anyone would be daring to kind of pick up because it's it's a, a little bit you know, out there in the way that it presents sort of crime and um, true life stories. So I think it's really interesting that it's on Netflix and I think, yeah, it's perfect to TV size. What documentaries have people seen in the cinema? March of the Penguins. (laughs) I still want to watch that. (laughs) No, I don't think, I've never seen a documentary in the the cinema. I I saw the, um, the Nick Cave one, the first one. I don't know what it is. No. The how many nights is it on earth? I can't remember the number now. Ten thousand? 
I don't think it's 10,000. It's I more than that. Literally a stab in the dark. No idea. But yeah. I do think um, the only other one is like when people thought The Blair Witch was a documentary. Right. Do you remember uh, yeah. when they did their viral marketing campaign, which I think is just, it was just genius, wasn't yeah. it? When yeah. they did their campaign and everybody was just like freaking out and throwing up and passing out in the cinema because they thought it was a documentary. I mean, it was hilarious. They really did set <laughs> this the was, precedent. This was recent times. This is 1999. Um, yeah, but I, was, I was like, a kid i was too young to go see it but i remember desperately wanting to watch it sure. and everyone just thinking it was real but we're talking about this at work today i just thought it was really funny because obviously coming here to talk to you guys on netflix watches on flicks watches sorry and um we were talking about cannibal holocaust yeah. and how on that one the director made the um actors go into hiding so that he could really push the fact that it was a documentary because it was the very first like i think the very first like found footage, found footage film yeah. And then he got arrested because they couldn't tell the, they couldn't tell how he'd have faked those scenes. And he thought they thought it actually killed those actors. I mean, you couldn't have. He had a big grin on his face as he was being arrested for sure. That couldn't be better marketing for your horror film, <laughs> no, could absolutely. it? Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think I've seen I've seen a few music documentaries. The Beatles one, um, and I've seen the Oasis Supersonic in there, bit of sound. But uh, yeah, I don't think documentaries are my bread and butter when I go to the cinema. Um, Helen, what did you say? Sorry, five. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a. Let's give it a five, because even that that montage bit at the end, if I'd waited all the way through a, a big screen to see that, like it would have been. That's a bit, it's good, but <laughs> it's kind yeah. of one of those things that is, that cost me seventeen quid. Yeah, how much that? <laughs> yeah, Leicester Square. It's a Friday night. <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of like one of those Netflix things that you know people have discovered and shared the love and. You know, it's one of those quite unique films that are hidden amongst some other slightly less good choices on there. Mm-hmm. Engagement score, Hannah. As in, how engaged am I? How engaged were you whilst watching it? Were you like checking your phone? Oh, yeah. we like, I need to, be, I need to be watching this right now and not be doing anything else. Did you pause it? The first time I watched it, I definitely did a whole way through. Second time, I did a half and half. So I think I'll give it a four and a half again. Hannah. Oh, sorry, Saru. I think I was definitely like, I have to watch this right now, but mainly because I had to watch it before we started recording this episode. <laughs> so I was quite mission orientated while I was watching it. But um, I think had I been watching it um, without an agenda, without an agenda, I possibly would have been less engaged. So to be fair, I'll give it a 3.8. With a forced agenda. Yeah. Asterix. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 3. Big 8. asterisks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Helen. It's an interesting one. The second, second, because obviously I did watch it the first time around and I thought I'd lost, li- not watched um, as much as I actually did. It's kind of strange because you don't really need to be that engaged in it at all because not really much kind of happens. And if you already know the story, you know what's going to happen. It's just, it's kind of when they come out with slightly bizarre statements that it, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that was happening. Um, and I, the white gloves. Yeah. <laughs> and was it breast bondage? I mean, what is that? Um, <laughs> oh, I felt so uncomfortable when he was saying that. Yeah, he was really creepy. I love the way as well, he just he, he took a phone call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's work, I've got to take this. Yeah, I'll be back in five Sex minutes. Sex education work. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, pass, it's the dungeon, I must go. those rainbow whips. <laughs> just one. And Good Lord. Also with the story, it's really hard not to then start checking on your phone and then getting caught into 
reading various like theories and everything. So I wasn't a hundred percent engaged. So we go for three and a half in that one. All right. And I'm going to go for, yeah, I think a solid four. Solid four. Mm, good. Nice yeah. round number. Yeah, I don't normally do round numbers. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, two, five, and four. This is an anomaly. It is. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that you put in 4.1, yeah. 4.0, though. Just when to you displease just me. To be <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's good, solid. And like I said before, I think I talked about it a bit about before, I was trying not to search stuff because I really yeah. wanted to see how it's going to unravel. And I was just really pleased that this kind of manner of storytelling, I think, is really insightful and um, brave. Yeah. Totally, because it could have just been people saying, "I want to be John Benet because I think I look like her." Yeah. yeah. Um. So it could have just been a lot of it. I'm sure there were a few of those people, mm-hmm. and then it went next. Get out. Um. So that gives us an overall score of three point five seven, which I think is pretty strong for a documentary. That's yeah, solid. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, because yeah. it it just repeat viewing just brings it down. Yeah. Mm. Maybe we need to invent a sub subcategory for documentaries. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Because I love The Jinx, but you're right, I haven't even watched that again. Mm. So, yeah, documentaries is tough. Yeah. Okay. Well, guys, do you want to sign off? Let us know where we can find you online, where your podcast is, all that good stuff. Sure. So we are Red Handed. Our Twitter handle is Red Handed The Pod, and that's the same on Instagram. And you can find us on Acast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcast. And also you have a fairly active Facebook group. We do have a Facebook discussion group as well. You just search Red Handed on Facebook and we'll, the tops of our heads pop up. Absolutely. Mm. We'll see you there. Like you've been sliced off like an egg. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cheers, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers, guys. You were just listening to the latest episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Thank you to Brendan Russell for his sublime editing skills. Mighty people for the tunes you can hear right now. Please do come to iTunes and find us, like, subscribe, share with your friends. Find us on Twitter at Flix Watcher Pod and our website, flixwatcher.tv. 